and welcome to The Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle, and I'm here with Lauren Fryson. Lauren is a wellness coach, CEO, author, speaker, hustle, and heart amplifier. She's just basically a beautiful soul, and I really wanted to have you on the show, Lauren, because we've never had somebody who's also a certified master nutrition therapist. So I love how that intersection between sport, business coaching, and nutrition. The mind and the body are intrinsically connected. I know that I don't need to sell that message to you, but I really wanted to have you on the show for that reason. So welcome to the Coaching Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I love your podcast. I listened to a few downloads before we connected, and it's a treat to be here. All right. So you know the deal then, most likely. I'm not sure whether you've been to Australia, but there's two questions. Have you A, have you been to Australia? And B, have you tasted the Australian spread called Vegemite? <laughs> so I have been, and we didn't share, we didn't share that when we connected the other day. I actually spent many months in New Zealand and Australia. And I have had Vegemite. And I think you'll have to correct me. Is there also something called Marmite? Yes. The UK's poor cousin, we call that. (laughs) Okay. So I was like, I think there was two and no, I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. We we certainly did grow up on uh, Vegemite. So because you answered that way, could you start with a coaching story uh, through your training background, fitness background, a moment that didn't go well and what might be some of the lessons? Yeah, no, that's such a great question. And I hope that I'm answering this in the way that you're looking for. Um, When I was thinking about that, for me, when I first had um, success, so I had been kind of in businesses that were kind of the status quo. It was really um, like anybody could do it. And when things started to shift, I almost felt like I had a lot of coaches or mentors or people that thought they could help me that were more like vultures. And they kind of like were, oh my gosh, this girl and she's kind of successful so she can pay for this. And there was a lot of what was in it for them and not a lot of what was in it for me. But more than that, there was just a period of time that I lost the sense of who I was, where my mission was, what my vision was. And I was so overwhelmed with what this coach said and this coach said, and I had a writing coach and I had a book coach and I had a business coach and I had a lifestyle coach and I was overwhelmed. And I remember just kind of thinking, there's so many freaking cooks in the kitchen I don't even know what I was making anymore. And I really had to kind of pull back and just say, what is it that you do well? You know, what is it that you're striving to do well? And which of these people is really going to be able to help you if any of them? And who are the people that are just making noise and adding like unnecessary ingredients? So that's kind of when I, my like not so great story was I had too many. (laughs) I just lost them to me and thought all these people, if I just pay for them, will do it for me. And that's not the case. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great lesson in sometimes we think that if we hire this person, then this will fix that problem. I really love that you shared that Lauren. And, And so what did you end up doing? Did you just simplify down to one or two key people? I did. And I worked with them at different times. 
So that was probably back in 2013 when I had that, like, oh my gosh, who are all these people telling me what to do? And I pulled back um, from some of the business coaching because it was a little bit disconnected to my business. And I thought, let me align myself with the people in the industry that are doing it well, because I want to follow their success and not be reinventing the wheel. And I did end up still working with my speaker coach and my book coach, but not all at once. Mm. So I completed the book. And once the book was published, then I went on, you know, with my speaking coach, because it allowed me to not only feel so overwhelmed, but really do each of those tasks extraordinarily well. Mm. I kind of felt like I was putting just little bits in all the buckets instead of filling one bucket all the way up. So I did end up going back to a lot of them. It just took me about six years <laughs> to do it instead of all at once. I love that. I love that message. The one thing and top that up first. That's awesome. What about on the flip side? Could you share with us a, a coaching moment, either as a coach yourself coaching others or uh, being a recipient, but what's a moment that went well and what might be some of the lessons? I have a lot, a lot of really extraordinary good coaching moments. And it definitely, when I have been able to coach people, the compliment of, hey, because I did X, Y, Z that you told me, this X, Y, Z result happened. I mean, that is the most fulfilling thing when someone can apply the direction, but I think the number one moment that I'd like to share that really, really changed me is for many of us, especially entrepreneurs or business owners, sometimes you don't understand why you do things. And as much as you want to see the other perspective, or you want to be able to take feedback, it's in our genetic code, it's in our DNA to just show up a certain way. And there were certain characteristics of my um, personality or my leadership that I knew got me to where I was, the way I could command a room, you know, the way that I could make really good decisions, the way that I was um, able to delegate, you know, for all intents and purposes. But there was other feedback that I would get that would say she's intimidating or she's not relatable. And I thought that's not, that's not glamorous. Like, I don't, I don't wanna be intimidating. And I actually working with my life coach we went through um, some different personality tests, but the Enneagram was one that just landed on me and it gave me this permission to be myself. It was able um, to help me understand parts of the parts of me that I didn't understand why I did those things. You know, it gave clarity to that, but it also then helped me understand other people and to work with clients, work with, um, you know, other coworkers, work with other professionals and to kind of see a lens differently of when people are in their healthy expression or their unhealthy expression. And that was just this aha moment. I mean, my husband will tell you so much that on our second date, I made him take the Enneagram. He's like, really? I have to take this personality test like to go out with you again? But I was like, this is important. I need to know if we're a match. <laughs> Fantastic. I think self-awareness comes to mind there, doesn't it? Just the deeper and the more um, congruent we are with our inner self and the outer self, the more successful that, that we are in our business life and, and in our coaching. Thank you for sharing that one. Uh, the next question is the sliding doors question. So the, the number one, and it was three events that kind of cascaded at once, but I had just turned 30. Um, so this was almost a decade ago and I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I had gone to undergrad, I had gone to graduate school, I had a successful business, 
I was in a pretty mediocre relationship, made nothing bad, but surely wasn't um, exciting. It wasn't what I thought, you know, this is what I was going to settle down for. And everything was just okay. There wasn't a lot of vibrancy, but there wasn't necessarily a lot of hardship either, you know, and I like to share that, but I just thought this is as good as it's going to be. This is what's supposed to happen. And my whole life went upside down in about 72 hours. And it started with on that Friday afternoon, I paid off an extension to the IRS. So again, remember I told you I was okay. As a young entrepreneur, I wasn't very good at making quarterly payments or budgeting for that, but I was making enough money that, you know, I would kind of file this extension and then get it paid. And so I share that because it pretty much wiped out my checking and savings account. And when I left work that day, I received a family call. We all have received one that, you know, it's immediately bad news. And my dad had just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. And I tell that part of the story because I'm the youngest of four girls. And at the time, I was the only one not married. And the next event would have been the first time I felt like I couldn't call my dad for help. You know, he kind of always rescued me, but he just had his own um, situation happen that I couldn't be like, bail me out again, dad. (laughs) And then on that Sunday morning, um, the man I was living with, but recently just moved in with, we've been together many years, but we finally decided to cohabitate and he broke up with me on the spot. I mean, I came home from teaching a spin class and he just said, I love you, but this is not going to work. And I moved the next day. And after first and last month's rent in the deposit and blah, 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 I had $17 to my name in clothes in a brand new apartment. So I didn't have any furniture. I didn't have any kitchen stuff. I mean, I had gotten rid of everything when I moved in with him just a couple months prior. And I remember just sitting on this apartment floor with a broken heart, broke bank account. And I just thought I made for more. Like, and I took at that time, 100% ownership of what had happened. It was that if it's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And right away I felt it. I knew it. And I just thought, I can't blame him. I can't blame, you know, this illness. I can't blame the IRS. I just thought I did not work so hard and go to school for so long, you know, and have all these dreams to be this girl. And I really just started to rebuild and reinvent and took a drastic, I mean, drastic fork in the road of everything I thought I was supposed to be doing and went after all the things I really wanted to be doing. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And what's your, just because you mentioned your dad and I, I know a bit of the backstory. So your TEDx talk, just for the listeners, is called? Um, if you choose how you can live, um, like, can you choose how you die? And mm-hmm. it's on TEDx. If you type in my name, it's actually my middle name. And I did that to protect privacy um, for my dad. He was really humble and modest that no one could really find out his name. But if you go to the TEDx and type in Lauren Danielle Grand Junction, if we choose how we live, can we choose how we die? You can find it. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Fantastic. No, I highly recommend it. Thank you for being vulnerable and, and sharing. It allows everyone on the podcast to perhaps relate and say, yeah, actually, I remember that time in my my life, that sliding doors moment that really does catapult us, you know, for the to the next level, doesn't it? So th- thank you for sharing. Uh, the next question, in one to a maximum of three words, what do you think makes a great coach? So um, it's a good thing you put that maximum on there because I could have, you know, a, a major, major list here. But the first one is integrity. I think that it is absolutely um, impossible 
to take advice from someone who hasn't been there or who won't do it themselves, you know, and even um, your athlete and listeners might um, respect this or get upset with me. But sometimes when I watch, you know, pro um, sporting events and won't say any specific one, but in the coach have completely let themselves go their health and wellness. And I get infuriated. I mean, my husband is like, why do you care what this person? And I'm like, because they're the role model for all these young athletes. And how are they going to discipline them to run the suicides and eat a certain way? And they could have run down whatever court field once, you know? So the number one thing for me is integrity. The second and along that athlete mindset, and this is probably why you and I connect, you know, I don't have the background you have, but I was an athlete is resiliency there is always going to be challenges. I mean, there's always going to be things that can take you out of the game and to just say, okay, I got this. You know, you get knocked down and you get back up. I mean, you have, you know, what I believe rejection is sometimes a redirection, but there has to be something that you just say, this matters more. And I remember in a yoga class once, they read a quote that said, a man who has a why will overcome anyhow. And I think about that. And that's me as resiliency. I mean, you just are unstoppable. Can, and the third can, is helpless. Can what? we, can we, can we reframe a man? Can we put in a person? Oh yeah, a woman, a an individual. Yeah. I, I didn't say it. It was just a quote. I mean, yeah, yeah. I love it and I'm not a man. We're just, <laughs> we're, we're redirectioning the quote, if we may. There we go. There we go. I mean, but the interpretation, you know, just this individual, if there's a you know, purpose behind what you're doing, you'll figure out a way always and then the third is to be selfless. I think that when people coach because it's going to benefit them or because it's glamorous or something, you can really feel that. And when someone you hire, someone's coaching can really lose themselves in the service of others. You know, just say, I'm here to make your life better. It's not about me. I'm going to do whatever it takes and go to the end of the moon and back for you. I think people feel it. And I think the results are tenfold. Mm. You know, this podcast is is very selfless and the conversation that we had prior to this interview was very selfless. You shared with me your journey and then said, hey, you know, what's the purpose of your, your podcast? Because that is how I want to share my story on the podcast. It was really selfless. And oh. so I really appreciate that. I really, really do. Uh, integrity, resilience, and selfless. Fantastic. Uh, our last official question before I get to go rogue is uh, when you meet other successful business people, entrepreneurs, I know you come across many in your work, what's that one question that you always want to ask of others? What, what sparks Lauren's curiosity? So there was a saying I heard at a personal development conference probably 15 years ago um, that said there's no there. And the people who are really driven and really hungry and really goal oriented that mean you reach whatever you are going for in that pinnacle at the time or that goal. And you're like, what's next? There's no summit. There's just, okay, I did that. Now what else can I do? And I'm sure Emma with your background in tennis, you know, after you had won a certain championship or a certain level and you said, okay, what else can I do? And you kind of test yourself. And I've been like that with fitness. I was like that, you know, with some financial goals and you can just dream bigger and you're building this self-confidence. But the question around it is the advice that you have or I would like to ask somebody else is how do you help people to keep propelling forward that don't have that innate drive? 
So the one percenters get this right away. Someone who is, you know, listening to this podcast right now and is that type of personality that's how can I be better? How can I serve more? How can I do more? How can I give more? It doesn't have to be taught that intrinsic motivation to it's a hunger to get better and serve more is there. But for the other people that say to you, how are you always so energized? How do you always want to work? You know, why do you get up so early? And I'm like, why do you not (laughs) is what I'm thinking. So what advice do you have for those who don't have it intrinsically to help them just see it and want it and be able to go after it? Mm, which really hits at the heart of that inner motivation, doesn't it? Which is really a coach's intuition in tapping into that inner GPS of the people that we work with. I really, I love that. And I think, you know, from the moment we we jumped on our first call, you, you do have this infectious energy and uh, you have this way about you that is, uh, you're a go-getter. What type of people do you work with? It is often kind of a little reflection of myself. And I don't mean that to be a narcissist, but I think there's common ground or there's things that you find um, that you relate to, or you can kind of align yourself with. And what I mean by that is I think the characteristics that I always had inside of me, um, I'm resilient. You know, I have unstoppable work ethic. Like I have this burning desire to want to leave a legacy, to impact lives. I mean, I had huge dreams. I mean, my parents will tell you as a little kid and different from my sisters that I was a visionary. They say, you would talk about these things and we're thinking, where did that come from? Like, who planted that seed? in her head. And I just have this no excuses mentality. So when I listen to people um, professionally that fire me up, I listen to people like Gary Vanderchuk from the Shark Tank, Mark Cuban, you know, and he's just like, they're tough and go after it. And I'm not your sob story. And, you know, Emma, when we chatted the other day, I kind of shared this. If someone calls me and they're like, wah, 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 and it's this victim mentality and it's just excuses. And I mean, I like shut down. I'm thinking, come on, like, this is not that bad. First world problems. And I want to fix it. I don't really show up naturally with a lot of empathy or sympathy. And it doesn't mean I don't have it. I just always have this perspective of, come on, you've been through worse. Don't play small. That my ideal client is really people who can handle the tough love. You know, my ideal client is the people that have that inside of them. They are dreamers. They are motivated, but they maybe chose the wrong career path or they landed the wrong relationship. And they're just thinking, give me the tools to run on, kick my booty twice on Sunday. Let's go. And that's the people that it just are like, what next they do it. And they go, what next? And they're just drivers and go-getters. And I think most of all, they're coachable. Mm. And I know that sounds like a strange word on a coaching podcast, but so many people say they want help, but they don't really. I was a personal trainer for over 15 years, and I can't even tell you hundreds, thousands of people that came to me and said, hey, I need to lose this weight or hit this goal for a wedding, for a reunion, for something, and they didn't do it. And I would watch them self-sabotage, you know, and just not come in and just not take that seriously, or I would give advice and they wouldn't follow the eating program, or they had all the excuses why they wouldn't work out. But when someone was motivated to go after something they wanted. They wanted to win a CrossFit competition. They wanted to improve their mile time for a half marathon. They wanted to improve their conditioning so they could be a better skier. When someone came to me so forward thinking on the next best version of themselves, like almost unanimously were successful. 
And I always just thought about that. And I said, they applied what you told them to do, but I think the drive was different. But for me, looking for someone, if they're going to have all the excuses or tell me a gazillion times left and right, why they can do it better. Then why do you want to work with me? You already know what to do. (laughs) Yeah. I think you're very action orientated, aren't you? Which is, which is in your background and in the fitness industry and, uh, and so forth. What about, uh, I want to touch on nutrition, I, I do believe that the mind and the body are intrinsically connected. And I certainly have worked with uh, players over the years that have had certain symptoms that then show up in the body, uh, inflammation, because they're not addressing something. And then I think the nutrition piece is one that always fascinates me because there's so many latest fads and there's so many things out there that people can just grasp onto and it's not what they actually need. So I know that a lot of our listeners are coaches of athletes as well as people in the business world. Could you give us one or two of your top nutrition tips around healthy eating, healthy living? Absolutely. And that's a great question. And I could not agree with you more on that. Even when I went to school almost 20 years ago, what has changed and what's transformed? I teach the weight management and sports nutrition class at the same school I graduated from. And I tell them all the time, I cannot believe how much this information has changed since I graduated. And even certain things from soy protein is the best thing to maybe soy protein is not so great or the changes in keto fads and vegan diets. I mean, it's always, always evolving. But for me personally, the first tip that I will tell you is to the best of your ability. And I say this with a disclaimer because I don't believe in perfection. I don't eat perfectly. You know, my husband and I try to live by like an 80-20 rule, 80% good, 20%. We have fun and we have wine and, you know, cookies or whatever that is, but just to eat whole foods. I mean, the way to nourish our body is to eat foods that have live active enzymes in them that are loaded with essential fats and protein and vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients. And that at the grocery store is going to come from the perimeter of the store, but things that are not in a box, not in a can, don't have additives in them in a plethora of colors. So the more that you can just say, does this meal provide live nutrition for me? You know, just ask yourself what on my plate is actually vibrantly, you know, serving me. That would be my first tip, because if you look at the SAD diet, which stands for the standard American diet, it's the opposite. Like 80% of what people are eating is processed and fast food and shelf stable, and it's not nourishing our bodies. The second tip I would have is have protein and especially in the morning. So when we look at the trend of mood disorders and brain health in terms of not being able to focus and concentrate and irritability, all of our protein that we consume breaks down into little amino acids. And that is the building blocks for everything in our body, but especially neurotransmitters. So when we think about sleep, we think about stress, we think about mood, you have to have protein. And I watch so many people today skip breakfast. And I'm not talking about people that do supported intermittent fasting, but just they're out the door and they grab a coffee and, you know, a pastry or something when they get into the office or they're eating really carb laden foods and not putting that in. And then I think, well, no wonder why you crash in the afternoon. No wonder why you crave coffee all day long. No wonder why you need all these energy drinks to be able to carry on or perform those activities. And when I have been able to work with people and sometimes just say, make sure you have protein in the morning, you know, like have turkey bacon, have sausage, have eggs, have a smoothie, have a shake, 
that is, I mean, light and their day and night differences for the majority of people. So we could talk about this all day long, but I would say have protein, especially first meal of the day and eat your rainbow, eat whole foods. That's just really solid sound advice. Thank you for sharing that. Cause like I said, we haven't had anyone on the show and I, yet it's, it affects, doesn't it? it it's all part of that, that triangle that is so, so important. So w- you mentioned a bit earlier being the youngest of four daughters and and they mentioned that you're a visionary. So your energy, where does that come from? Has it always been there? No, it's not actually. I think that I've always been that I can have a lot of energy. I don't require a lot of sleep or that I want to work out and that type of drive. But actually my sister, one of my closest sisters, I have three two-step, one real, none of them since I was two, but my biological sister, she would actually say, you complained all the time of how exhausted you were. She goes, I would call you and say, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, you know? And I, I look back and I was, and I was working a lot of jobs trying to get out of debt or I wasn't really, really fulfilled. But it's ironic you're asking me this because I did a post today on social media that was literally saying that people ask me, how do I have so much energy and how am I always so positive? And I gave kind of my nine tips, like my life, my nine life hacks of how I'm so different today. And I won't go through all of those for the sake of time, but I talk about certain things. One of them is um, I referenced the book, The Energy Bus, and to be around people who make you better, who are positive, who are uplifting, who are encouraging. And I do not spend time with energy vampires, you know, people that just kind of suck it out of you. They're complainers, Debbie Downers. That is something that I absolutely um, kind of have zero tolerance for. And the second is this kind of permission to fail. I think when I had so much pressure on myself, the fear held me back of it not being perfect. And so I couldn't take that action like you noticed about me. And when I just said, who cares if I screw up, doing something is better than doing nothing. And I just took that leap. I really was able um, to get more confidence and more fervor to keep going because I learned along the way. And that would be the third one I would tell you is no one learns from their successes, you know, and we, we think we do because they make us feel good, but you learned in the lessons you learned in the hardship. And so when I kept saying, I can't let this fear of it not being perfect, keep me out because when I screwed up or when things didn't go the way, then I thought, okay, this is what I need to do it better the next time, which kept that hunger going to keep being the best version of me. No, which comes back to your second quality of resilience, And I had a wonderful, I reached out to a woman who I think is a fabulous speaker yesterday and she got on the phone and, and uh, on the zoom, I should say. And she basically said, I have made so many mistakes in my life and I want to tell you all of them. I was like, fantastic (laughs) because which it's about adding to our own coaching toolkit, isn't it? It's taking one little nugget from what you've said, eat protein in the morning, Uh, learn from our failures that we can add to our own toolkit that makes us better coaches and better people so and uh, relatable yes yeah (laughs) to this point if you show up and everyone just sees the glory and not the story they go how the heck did they do that and when Mm. you share those imperfections they go oh my gosh if she can do it I can do it you know it puts like you on your your ground on you know the your two feet on the ground and put your pants on the same way as everybody else Mm. but People can really connect themselves in your story that it becomes inspiring instead of intimidating. Yeah. And just one more uh, comment I want to make that you brought up for me around that 
So people often ask me as well, Lauren, where do I get my energy from? And it definitely relates uh, back to we don't want everyone's energy to be the same. So we don't want people to be like, I mean, I think you and I do have similar energies, but it's not like I want someone I'm coaching to be like Emma or like Lauren. It's energy is such a, an amazing word because it gives off a signature. When I first met you, I instantly was drawn to your energy and there's different ways of energy showing up, isn't there? It's not just like, and you and I do, you know, I was a boxer size instructor and that, like you said, when you're running a class or commanding an audience, it's a different kind of energy, isn't it, that you, that you bring to the table. How do you help your clients with their energy? What's one or two, besides those awesome tips as well, but what's one or two things that you could mention around that. I, mean, I love everything you're saying. And I actually, I talk a lot about energy and even in regards to the law of attraction, sometimes with the people that I'm working with and where I agree with you 1000% that we all couldn't be the same I mean, how boring of a place. If, you know, we didn't see all the colors, how boring of a place, if all of the tones and sounds were different, you know, there's a reason why we like different foods and different music. And we all have to embrace who we are and that we show up uniquely and individually. And that I agree with completely. One of the sayings that I say often to the people that I'm working with or my team is you choose every single day if you show up as a shield or a magnet. And I think that the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you post on social media, the energy that oozes out of you, that nonverbal communication either pushes people away for whatever reason, they're like, uh-uh, I don't wanna be around that or it draws them in. And I'll leave you with a story because I have not always been this way. And there were times when I was so stressed and I was rushing from job to job and I wasn't self-employed. And I would have to run into King Supers, you know, for something, the grocery market, you know, I forgot something. And I could literally see people kind of moving out of my way. They're like, well, like that woman's in a hurry, you know, she's got to go. Or if I was in a Starbucks line and I was not making communication, I wasn't making eye contact. It was just like, Oof, and I was abrasive. And I could, looking back, I thought, wow, I mean, people were really put off by me. And we've experienced that. I mean, you've walked into a restaurant or gone to sit at a bar top and immediately been like, oh, let's sit by them or the opposite for whatever reason. You you haven't said a single word. You've just been like, uh-uh, like, I don't want to sit there. You get your gut feeling kind of tells you and what's happening and what's in that person's life and where is that coming from? But to the contrary, you know, when you're warm and you're welcoming and you are complimentary and you're non-judgmental and you show up with vision, with excitement, with enthusiasm, with passion, people don't have a freaking clue what you do sometimes. They just want to be around it because they're starving for that in your life. And I can't even tell you, Emma, in the last few years since I have transformed my own life, people stop me. This happened literally last week. I was in Whole Foods and this woman took down her mask and she looked at me and I'm thinking, oh gosh, if this person talks to me, I don't know who she is. And I was trying to remember how I could have known her. And she said, you are absolutely radiant. And I said, oh my gosh, you're so sweet. She's like, you're glowing. And she said, I saw you from 10 meters away and I just wanted to say hi and introduce myself. We ended up chatting, she's in fitness. She came to my Galentine's party two nights later. And she will end up, I'm sure, in my business. But I was telling another client that, and I said, that's how you show up. You know, when you are congruent and you're positive and you put that energy out that you're a magnet, 
it's that you will have people drop into your life. You will have people reach out to you. It's that flow of abundance. People just come because they want to be what you're doing, even if it's not the same energy and the opposite. If it's negativity, if it's scarcity, if it's judgment, if it's defensiveness, you could work hard all day long and you'll never get a client because people can breathe it. They can smell it. They can feel it and they want nothing to do with it. (laughs) I think you just summarized coaching. The the essence of coaching, great coaches have an energy around them and people want to be coached by them. I think you hit the nail on the head. And uh, despite having a degree in criminology and an author of why can't is a four-letter word and get off the curb from flight or fight to activated achiever, I think that is the note that we will finish this podcast on because the energy was electrifying, a fantastic story. I'm so glad I reached out to you. and. I hadn't seen you speak before, but when we connected on that first conversation, uh, you are someone that I would like to be around and keep in my life. We're both Denver girls or Colorado people uh, now. And uh, yeah, you're a magnet and you're just a breath of fresh air, full of integrity, resilience, and completely selfless. And I just want to thank you for being on the coaching podcast. Thank you so much. I too am glad we connected and it's going to be fun to collaborate and connect and maybe speak on stage together here in Colorado. So nice to meet you. That would be wonderful. I look forward to it. Thanks everyone for listening. The Coaching Podcast is sponsored by Transition Coach for Athletes, a global coaching, mentoring and U.S. college sporting scholarship placement service. Visit www.transitioncoachforathletes.com. That's the number four. The Coaching Podcast is brought to you by your energy and high performance under pressure coach, Emma Doyle, www.emmadoyle.com.au or email her info at emmadoyle.com.au. The ball is in your court to take action and enjoy your coaching.